Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Looking for the truth and not worried about rattling some cages to get at it. This is The Roy Green Show. Visit my uh, webpage, RoyGreenShow.com, RoyGreenShow.com, and read my blog pieces and add your thoughts. Listen back to any segment that we air. And, of course, you can also uh, get onto our podcast, listen to the podcast, and subscribe um, uh, at RoyGreenShow.com. So all of the information is there. Somebody said to me years ago that if you're talking to someone and you're not sure whether they're being honest with you, Watch their eyes, because if they look down and to the left, they're lying. So for years, I did this. I'd look at somebody if I wasn't sure. Even in the studio, I'd be kind of looking at them, picking up little clues, you know, looking down to the left, boy, liar. Then I heard, no, that's not true at all. It's, it's just, that's just not the case. So there went that theory. But we're told that we're lied to 200 times every day on average, 200 times every day on average. A study found that over a one-week period, lies were detected in 37% of phone calls, 27% of face-to-face meetings, so more than a quarter <laughs> being lied to, or you're doing the lying, 21% of, uh, of instant messaging chats, and 14% of emails. There's a fascinating book, and, uh, and, and theories that go along with it, or more than theories, the book is called Lie Spotting. Lie Spotting. You also find it. You'll find it online. You can. Uh, you'll find Lie Spotting on uh, on on Twitter as well. Pamela Meyer is the author of Lie Spotting. After her appearance on TED Talks, she received 12 million views. How many were liars and how many were truthful, Pam? <laughs> we're all liars. <laughs> They're all, all liars. Million of them were liars. <laughs> Everybody's a liar. Yeah. So we all lie. I mean, some lies are really, you know. They're really just for navigating social social dignity. And so, you know, if someone says, hey, do I look fat in that? Okay, that's all right. You know, with small stakes lies are the ones we're less concerned about. And a large portion of those lies are what we call low stakes lies. Right. It's the big lies that we're concerned about. Okay, such, such as? Such as who to marry, uh, who to go work for, what house to buy, you know, things that really can puncture who to vote for. You know, when someone lies and your decision can punctuate the course of your life, that's a high-stakes lie. Yeah, we uh, we generally, I think, uh, consider that most everything the politicians say is a lie, or at least, or at least the, the record shows that they quite often make promises, and then they don't follow through on them, and then they'll tell us why they didn't follow through them on them, and then it's our fault. So we know that that that, that sort of lying takes place, but on a, on a one-to-one basis, so just on a and I'm thinking within a family, there there has to be the time when if you're lying to somebody, you're destroying that relationship or you're incrementally going to destroy the relationship. Yeah, I mean, we really have to hold each other accountable. And the best way to do that is not simply to say, liar, liar, pants on fire and wag your finger at them. Uh-huh. The best way to do that is to be very explicit about your own moral code and to really talk about it. 
so that people understand that your word is your bond Mm -hmm. and that you mean what you say and that you have character. And when you do that in a family situation, you actually lead with integrity as opposed to being the one who's always calling out the liars. So what do you do if you're talking to somebody and uh, whether it's in a business, let me even break it down. If you're in a business conversation or if you're in a personal conversation, do you find yourself unable to divorce yourself from what you know, the lie spotting? And what what happens if, uh, I mean, what are the instant signs to you that we can uh, that we can use without, before we buy the book uh, that, that would tell us, uh-oh, red flag here? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I... It's like any other muscle, you know, it's like learning to drive. Once you've got it, you do it kind of unconsciously. So, yeah, I'm pretty much unconsciously aware oftentimes now when somebody's being deceptive. But there is a method to the madness, and it it starts really with what we call baselining. You you know, how are you? How was your weekend? Did you go shopping? How are the kids? This is what interrogators do because they're trying to get a sense of your norm. Because if you're a foot tapper and somebody asks you a hard question, you tap your foot, it doesn't mean anything. It's only when you're not a foot tapper and you're expressing that anxiety, then it's actually significant. So you first have to make sure you get it right by knowing what someone's norm is. Then you need to ask them pretty open-ended questions, not what did you do on July 23rd, but more like how did that night go? You know, ask open-ended questions, develop rapport, try to get a real sense from somebody about what happened. Stay very curious. Don't go in with a with what we call confirmation bias, where you think you know. You're really there to just collect facts. Mm-hmm. And when you ask those questions, then you can start to look at what we call the, the clusters that, you know, you really need to sort of check verbal and nonverbal clusters of deceit. So you might see one or two, but that doesn't really mean anything. If you see three or four on the verbal side or three or four on the nonverbal side, then you have the ability to start kind of asking harder questions and starting to build a case against somebody or to at least get to the truth in a more substantial way. If you're watching somebody um, on television, let's say, and uh, they're making a case, and they're not speaking eloquently. And uh, the more fumbly they get, the more they smile self-consciously. What, have you, what are you looking at? Well, we're going to take the people on TV out of the category altogether. We call those sort of like conditioned witnesses, because anybody that's on TV, particularly a politician or a pundit, they're so conditioned to what they're saying that they say it all the time. It's kind of like a reflexive lie. Okay. But if you're across the table from someone and they start acting stressed or they stall, that might be significant. Mm-hmm. So it's only the first few seconds after you ask a hard question that's considered scientifically reliable. So if someone on the verbal side all of a sudden quiets up, looks down, or on the nonverbal side, they start to look down or pull into their chair or stiffen up in some way, or you see pursed lips or kind of slump posture, hand wringing, rubbing the eyes, grooming gestures, as we say, you know, like dusting lint off your shoulders or twirling your hair. On the nonverbal side, on the, vo- on the body language side, that can be significant. Or you may see sort of a fake smile. We call it duping delight. A lot of times, Someone who's being deceptive will kind of smile unconsciously, and you see that a lot if you start looking for it. You might see a shift in their blink rate. You know, and on the verbal side, when you hear someone just stall for time, repeat the question, say, you know, as far as I know, to tell you the truth, qualifying statements, as we call that, or bolstering statements, I certainly didn't know that. I certainly didn't do that. They start, if you see a sort of non-spontaneous response time, or they're weak, or they're apologetic in their tone of voice, they give you a kind of inappropriate amount of detail, which we see with teenagers all the time. You say, hey, where were you Saturday night? You didn't come home till 4 in the morning. And all of a sudden you get this long, involved story, <laughs> way too much detail. 
Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that'll be your signal that, you know, there's something underneath that story. Right. Uh, is it true that uh, that people look, I have to ask you, is it true that people look down and to the left if they're lying? It's involuntarily or, or, or not? You know, I did a full review of all the research that's out there on deception, and I threw out anything that could not be confirmed in two or more places. So we threw out studies from some of the major institutions. Okay. There's only one study in England, and this is based on neurolinguistic programming, NLP, which is where it came from, that actually looked at this, and it was not able to be confirmed. And I think this is one of these situations where science and ground truth really conflict, because there are a lot of people out there that do feel the way you shift your eyes could signal whether or not you're accessing imagination versus, uh, you know, a memory. Right. But there's no science to it that I could find. What's your favorite story that's come out of lie spotting? Something that somebody shared with you? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I mean, we've had so many, so many stories, but the most interesting stories are the ones of people who are falsely accused. Oftentimes, someone who really doesn't know the science, doesn't know it well, has seen something on Law and Order, or one of these TV shows, will will go into an interrogation, particularly in a business setting, and they'll just crush somebody. They're like, "Where were we? Where were you on the third of December? We know you're the one who took that computer out. We've got a camera." And they're baiting them and they're pummeling them with questions, and they get what you call a stress response from the person across the table from them. And oftentimes they get accused wrongly, and it turns out the evidence is really completely conflicts what they found in that interview. And so there's a lot of cautionary tales out there more than anything else of people who are wrongly accused because someone walks in the door and they, they're not careful. They don't, they're not prepared enough for the conversation. They don't spend enough time. They're not curious enough. And they just wrongly accuse somebody because they're stressed. Okay. Well, I, I find it absolutely fascinating, and I'm, I'm glad you spent the time with us. Lie spotting, it's available online at Amazon, right? It is, and you know, if you watch my TED Talk, you can learn in 17 minutes the basic science of live spotting. You still have to go out there and practice it, but you can learn the basics. And you find that on YouTube real quickly, right? Or, yeah. or on, through your website. Exactly. Pam Meyer, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I, I'm looking straight ahead now. <laughs> that was a delight, and that's the truth. <laughs> Take good care. Thanks. Pamela Meyer, live spotting on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Um... Enough about that. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's been going on in British Columbia, Vancouver, and the casinos in B.C. Well, not just Vancouver, but B.C. casinos have been the the, the term used in a report that came out uh, from a deputy commissioner of the RCMP, former deputy commissioner of the RCMP, was casinos have served as laundromats for dirty money for dirty money. We're going to talk to Mike Smith, columnist for the Vancouver Sun and show host at our chorus radio station in Vancouver where this program airs, CKNW. We'll come right back with Mike.